everybody to Blissfully Aware, the show in which three opinionated people discuss what's going on in fandom and nerd news in general. I am Bliss, and this week I am joined by two of our lovely guestberts, Riot and Major. Thank y'all so much for joining me this week. I will be putting <laughs> your fandom PhDs to the test with this one. So this week, we're going to be discussing Wattpad and the evolution of fanfiction, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention, first, the passing of author Anne Rice. Anne Rice, if you're unaware, was an American author of gothic fiction, erotic literature, and later Christian literature. She was best known for her series of novels, The Vampire Chronicles. Books from The Vampire Chronicles were subject to two film adaptations. Interview with the Vampire in 1994, and Queen of the Damned in 2002. She passed away earlier this week, and Kelty, because she could not be with us this week, wrote a letter that I am to dramatically read for everybody. So, if I may. <clears throat> Hello, my dear friends. I'm so sorry I cannot be there today and must accept my award via my lovely co-host. Take a bow, Bliss. And I bow. But I had some things to say about old Annie Rice, so buckle your dicks up, because here we go. So something about me that everyone who has ever met me probably knows is that Interview with the Vampire is one of the most formative works of fiction in my life. In the late 90s and early 2000s, I was on the internet reading and writing fanfiction for all my favorite things, and this definitely included Interview. In the early days, this was fine. Fanfiction was largely an underground thing still, and nobody really did anything about it. On her website, which upon googling it looks no different from when I first read the message, she posted a notice to her fans. The message went as follows. I do not allow fanfiction. The characters are copyrighted. It upsets me terribly to even think about fanfiction with my characters. I advise my readers to write your own original stories with your own characters. It is absolutely essential that you respect my wishes. Absolutely essential. I remember that even now. You kids these days with your Wattpads and your AO3s who tease the olds and how frequently dated fics all start with please don't sue disclaimers. Well, Rice is why. This wasn't really news on a national level or anything, because fanfiction wasn't known yet by the masses. But boy, did it make waves in fandom spaces. And no, before you ask, it did not stop there. The change was basically immediate. I was on fanfiction.net at this time, but the site was still pretty new when it received a cease and desist letter from one of her lawyers. It has come to our attention that your website, fanfiction.net, makes available over the internet numerous stories and other literary material which contain the above-listed characters and other material from the property. Even when done on a non-profit and or amateur basis, such use of such characters and materials without Miss Rice's permission constitutes copyright infringement. While Miss Rice greatly appreciates the interest of her fans in her characters and material, it is her and our responsibility to make sure that her rights are not infringed. Accordingly, we must insist that fanfiction.net immediately refrain from making available over the internet or otherwise any work based on any element of the property, including, without limitation, the above-listed characters. It is essential that you confirm immediately by email that fanfiction.net has complied with the foregoing. If we do not receive the foregoing reassurance from you by the close of business on Monday, May 21st, 2001, we will have no choice but to advise fanfiction.net's internet server of this matter and to ask such server to take appropriate action. The foregoing is stated without prejudice to the rights and remedies of Miss Rice and her publisher. Alfred A. Kampf, all of which are hereby expressly reserved. Yikes, right? This shit is unheard of today. And it was effective. We got fucking spooked. I was 
fucking 13 at this time. And my parents had no idea I spent my free time online reading about gay sex to keep me from killing myself. And getting sued by Anne fucking Rice would definitely have changed that, right? So fan fiction websites all removed Rice from their selections. Those of us brave enough went underground, but the lawyers ended up finding our GeoCities websites too. Honestly, I wish I'd kept the cease and desist emails I'd collected from all of the fan sites I was a part of, because these days they'd provide brilliant insight into why I'm like this. But alas, we continued deeper into the shadows like the vampires we so desperately needed to make smooch. It developed into mailing lists, where we'd have little summaries of our fix posted up in code, where clicking the link would send you to an open email on friggin' Outlook where you had to use code phrases to prove you weren't a snake in the grass trying to get a writer in trouble. The one I remember clearest is when I joined one of these little mailing lists, and the summary for one of the fix you could send out was, quote, LL before her. For layman, that's Louis slash Lestat before Claudia showed up. For super layman, Louis and Lestat are the main gay vampires. Claudia is their adopted vampire daughter who later tries to fuck Louis. Read the book. Watch the movie. Flawless shit. But yeah, this shit was intense. I'm not kidding. We were basically all Alan Turing, learning patterns and coding our own messages to keep safe in the war on fanfiction. At least twice as serious as the war on Christmas. Not to mention, Anne herself kind of went through a weird phase where she got all reborn or whatever and denounced the homosexuality of her gay-ass vampires and tried to say it was all because they were hellspawn, like the gays are. This didn't last very long in my consciousness because her son came out as gay. She was like the opposite of my parents and stopped being homophobic when their kid comes out. So yeah, we were all sneaking around for all of these years basically until AO3 popped up with their legal team to protect us. The irony of all of this is, back in 2012, she actually made a statement in an interview with Metro about how she kind of regrets going after people about it. Like, she never liked the concept of fanfiction and was always a little weirded out by it, but she kind of realized she can just ignore its existence rather than be upset by it. Huh. Quote, I got upset about 20 years ago because I thought it would block me. However, it's been very easy to avoid reading any, so live and let live. If I were a young writer, I'd want my own ideas, but maybe fanfiction is a transitional phase. Whatever gets you there gets you there. I mean, it was sort of too little too late after she, as an author, became synonymous with why fanfiction needed disclaimers, but it's the thought that counts, I suppose. Rest in peace to a real one. It's a shame we lost you when you seemed so much more willing to grow as a person, while other formative authors of my childhood, who seemed determined to regress further and further into hatred psychosis with each passing day, managed to be healthy as ever. So, yeah, I think Kelty summarizes how fair it is for people to have complicated feelings about Anne Rice. I was never a huge fan though she clearly had an obvious effect on the fandom sphere as a whole. And so it's impossible to be involved in fandom and not have been tangentially touched by Anne Rice. And while I do appreciate her change later in life, I still, in her passing, harbor some complicated feelings that I think will take a minute for me to work through. Uh, I don't know if y'all are fans of her in particular, but she meant a lot to a lot of people. So rest in peace, Anne. I'm a lot like Kelty in that it was one of the most formative series I ever read as a kid. And I probably read it way too early, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, because being a gifted child, my mom would just like, let me read whatever book I decided to pick up, including one that was what I would like to credit as the reason why I am like I am. And one of those was definitely Interview with the Vampire, and the other one was another Anne Rice novel that she wrote under one of her erotica pseudonyms that basically made me realize, oh, BDSM is a thing. 
So I definitely feel where, where Kelsey's coming from on that front. Um, she's definitely, it definitely her death made me feel really complicated because I, I owe a lot of my personality, I feel like, to her. But at the same time, she's kind of kind of a sea biscuit about a lot of stuff. She She's not really somebody um, in my own fanfic past. I remember the events surrounding the, the legal action is what I remember. Because I just simply grew up on a different set of authors. And um, my first forays into fanfiction were more television and, and movie-based. So I... <laughs> I guess my, my feelings are a little probably harsher because I, I didn't take the time to read her works or appreciate her as an author. It was really my first encounter with her um, was the legal action, and it was not a positive one. I know that I've seen in the past couple of days some talk um in the trans community um i guess one person in particular wrote about um speaking with her meeting with her and her saying um that you know in, in later years she really um she went so far as to acknowledge that there was something sacred about trans people and um so she she developed and grew some much more uh, accepting ideas and you know again like Kilty said thankfully she seemed to have grown as a person and as an author unlike <laughs> some other folks who made their own news this weekend she who must not yeah. be named yes um but i think Kelty brings up a really interesting point that we decided to talk about, which is the history of fan fiction going far beyond just Anne Rice days. So, Riot, I believe you have written up a little timeline for us. You want to explain ye old fan fiction days? Oh, yes, ye old fan fiction days. So, a lot of people, when you talk to them about fan fiction, normies and like younger people than you know us 30 somethings who a lot of people would consider you know fandom moms or fandom hags or whatever you want to call us i don't care but uh, a lot of people just kind of think back to like the early 90s like what kelty was talking about geo cities angel fire single fandom arc of archive sites mailing lists things like that uh but it actually goes so much farther back than that the first ever usage of the word fan fiction is um about 1939 but even before that, there was fan fiction um, in some ways. Like, before copyright was a thing, people really commonly shared characters and sometimes even ideas. Like, some of the most famous Shakespeare plays were actually using characters written by other people and published around that same time. Like, Romeo and Juliet, Much Ado About Nothing, Othello, As You Like It, The Winter's Tale. These are some of his biggest works, and they were technically borrowing characters from other fellow writers of the time. Um, and even beyond that, in the 19th century, people were publishing fan fiction and actually making money off of it to, to some extent. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula had one called The Powers of Darkness. H.G. Um, Wells, Jane Eyre actually had some weird fan fiction. I don't know why. I mean, again, not to yuck your yum, not to do any of that you do you 19th century babes you do what you got to do uh but it it's been a pretty common practice for a long long time and then we kind of saw it come more to a centralized um a centralized head with like star trek in the 1970s um and obviously through on to the 90s with the rise of the internet uh we started getting things called zines which i'm sure some of our older people remember exactly what I mean when I say zine. We Zines as we know them today are different than they were back then because a lot of these zines, there's a lot of internet zines, and then there's also a lot of zines that like you can kickstart or you can, you know, show interest in for like fan art, things like that. But 
they're usually pretty strict. There's a lot of rules surrounding them as far as you can't include this when you join and you can't do that, you can't do the other. But zines back in the day were kind of like the last refuge for all of us weirdos and queer kids and things like that because we would we were writing about stuff and you know drawing stuff that uh the public was probably not really going to have too fond of an eye on yeah so a lot of my early experiences with zines were actually non-fandom related zines i spent a lot of time in bookstores growing up very small indie bookstores and i would find a lot of self-published zines that honestly were my first foray into queer literature that didn't involve the queer characters just outright dying of like AIDS, which was a big deal back in the 90s when I was growing up because <laughs> that was still that was still a thing that was going on, kids. And then it was also a really good opportunity for me to discover more complicated, transformative, works that you aren't going to find in a mainstream bookstore and you're certainly not going to find in a school in Texas anyway. Yeah, as soon as I discovered fanzines, I I was sold. I love um <laughs> I love me a good zine despite how hard it can be to get those off the ground sometimes. Oh yeah. Once again, my <laughs> own experience <laughs> in fandom diverts quite a bit from other people's. I know that Kelty has, um, at least Kelty's discussed with me before, she got into fandom and fanfiction at a very young age, and she was online at a very young age. I was just in sort of an area of the U.S. where um, internet was not as easy to get, and it was a little more expensive. I got online um, at a bit of a later age, and I got into fandom at a bit of a later age. I was like, um, I, I know some people talk about how they got into fanfic at like 12. I probably didn't get into it until like 16, 17. And my first experiences were behind the locked walls of certain like X-Files fanfic groups and um, Yahoo groups, that sort of thing. I zines weren't really an experience of mine um the <laughs> the one book wide sargasso sea is actually probably the first piece of fanfic that i read and i'm gonna point out that paradiso and purgatorio and inferno dante Alighieri is a fanfic author all of his stuff is based on um other other myths and on the bible and whatnot so my early fanfic experience was either literary or it was more behind locked groups sort of thing uh but from from there like you know we had we had the the zines that were mostly distributed at cons or through mailing lists like Kelsey was talking about through email mailing lists where maybe if the corporation or author was not a fan you kind of had to encode what you were looking for or what you were what you were offering to people fanfiction.net is extremely revolutionary in fanfic because it wasn't just a single fandom you could write for any fandom or for multiple fandoms you could have an author who wrote you know, Vampire Chronicles, X-Files, Star Trek, like all of those things, instead of having to go find them in different spots. And it also had a review system, which was a new kind of thing. And that birthed more things like Quizilla, which I, <laughs> thinking about Quizilla hurts my brain because it was just such a strange place to be. Um, and obviously live journal communities. Um, and then from there, we had like Tumblr come across and now people post fanfic on tumblr there was actually one of the things once i started really getting into fan fiction was i was probably about 17 18 no it was probably about 18 i found a website called topless robot and rob bricken every friday would do fan fiction friday and he would pick some off the wall crazy fan fiction that was usually found by somebody else and sent to him and it was either off the wall because of 
the nature of what it was talking about. Like, there's one where the Hogwarts castle has intercourse, I guess. I don't know what you'd call this architectural course <laughs> with the giant squid that lives <laughs> in the lake. Uh, there's several different ones, but it was it was interesting, and I, I feel like it taught me a lot because there were a lot of these things were kind of like squicky. Like I wasn't into them, but I still read it because it was just like so fascinating to me that somebody would actually be interested in writing about these things. But like he never demonized the author. He never said this person is bad or, you know, how dare you? It was more just like, hey, look at this weird thing that I found. It's really interesting. Different strokes, different folks. It takes all sorts, huh? Huh? Wow. All right. Anyway, see you next Friday. And I feel like that's something that we people don't do these days. It's more just like, if you write something I don't like, you are a bad person and I hate you. <laughs> In it. <laughs> yeah, that definitely seems to be something that we're losing is the the ability to go absolutely batshit off the walls with the strangest stuff we can think of. Like, it's kind of, it feels kind of like a loss to me. Yeah, we're kind of like on a sharp decline at this point. If like that was the like the the height of times being able to go, huh? You wrote a story about this. I'm not into that, but good for you. And moving on. Yeah, it's it's a corporatization sort of thing too. It, it's more of a angling for an audience rather than trying to experiment or or trying to see just how weird you can be. Or, or writing just because it's something that you're you wonder if you even can like i remember and i still think i think these things still exist like kink bingos oh yeah like kink bingos were great like on live journal they'd have like an entire community that would be like you know the supernatural kink bingo or whatever and it would just be all sorts of weird prompts and things like that and maybe it's something that you like never wrote before you'd never thought about writing before but you wanted to fulfill this this slot on the kink bingo so you decided to do it and it's just like oh wow well that was fun and fulfilling and interesting and like a way to you know exercise my writing muscle it's frustrating to see nowadays especially younger people who are trying to experiment with writing like the young person who wrote um the controversial fic a dream's homemade cat boy who then was later harassed and bullied to the point where they killed themselves. Or like Madame Agony, who we've talked about in the past as well, who was, at, they had a doxing campaign set up against them because they wrote controversial fic. And these are young people that are getting into writing and they're experimenting and they're playing around with darker themes because, you know, both as a young person and as somebody stretching your legs as a writer, you're out here doing kink bingos or deciding I'm going to write something dark for the sake of trying to see if I can. Let's see what limits I can push. And nowadays that is forbidden. That is verboten according to the aunties of the world. So it is interesting to see where fan fiction has gone. <laughs> And it's it's become, like Major was saying earlier, it's kind of a result of corporatization because we we saw what happened when fan fiction kind of went mainstream with E.L. James and Fifty Shades of Grey. You know, she wrote Twilight fan fiction, uh, Masters of the Universe, or Master of the Universe, that apparently just really resonated with an audience. And then made an entire book series where she obviously reskinned it so it was no longer fan fiction and then those were made into movies and i feel like corporations feel like they they had like a little light bulb go off and they realized oh shit there is an audience for this we could make some money here and that's kind of where the why they've started heading in that direction like all the the corporate sites like you know Wattpad who just signed a major deal with paramount for reasons unknown yeah. hmm. i never got into wattpad kelsey kendra and i were not wattpad people i was not a wattpad person but i have a zoomer sister she's a lot more like a millennial so she was never actually in wattpad she said 
who went to Wattpad because she had heard about it. And she was kind of tired of, like, the Tumblr fanfic scene. So she went to Wattpad, and it's just, from from her, her words, not mine, it is a cesspool <laughs> um, of just bad, bad stories, badly written stories, poorly edited stories. Like, my own introduction to Wattpad is... Um led me to believe that it's a cesspool as well. Like like the first time I became aware of it was somebody copy pasting my fic from AO3 and putting it up chapter by chapter on Wattpad claiming credit for it. That's right. That was where it happened. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately this um brings us to a new problem, a new issue for people both on Wattpad and off of Wattpad, off of Wattpad, who may have had their works taken and reposted or modified and reposted onto Wattpad. Because um, on December 8th, there was an announcement um, by Viacom CBS International Studios and Wattpad Webtoon Studios. They have decided to partner together to option content off of Wattpad and Webtoon to make works into series um, for, like, Paramount Plus, the, the streaming service. And I think this is in part because they saw... There's already two Wattpad stories that have become um, specials, like movies or, like, a movie series type... But yeah, I guess they're both movie series type things. Um, there's After, which is a thinly veiled Harry Styles fan fiction by Anna Todd, and uh, The Kissing Booth, which is actually not fanfic. It was actually an original work posted on Wattpad, but because it's posted on Wattpad, it's kind of lumped into the category of fanfic because a lot of what Wattpad hosts is fanfic uh, by Beth Reekles, which is now a Netflix movie series, but they kind of saw that we could do this too. And I think that's why they introduced, uh, they have a little program called Wattpad Stars. It's kind of an exclusive thing. You kind of have to meet a lot of requirements. Like you have to be able to, you have to basically been active in the community, recently posting. Let me see exactly what the get involved with Wattpad Stars is. Um, you have to have at least one narrative story with at least 50,000 words that's marked as complete. You have to have started one story in the past 365 days. You must have revised, modified, or added a new part to an existing story within the last three months. Uh, you must have logged onto the Wattpad in the past 60 days, and then you have to fill out a program interest form, and it's limited to one story slash application per writer. Um, it's basically you're saying I'm interested in this, and it helps build a database of writers who might be a good fit. For Wattpad stars, uh, but if you're accepted into the program, you have to actually sign another terms of service that technically overrides the original terms of service. Yeah, it seems like some proprietary legal stuff is going on here, and it's it's um, being kept close to the chest so that they can do what they need to and expand into whatever markets that they need to um, launch this kind of stuff into whatever <laughs> advantageous category they see fit. So we don't know the exact parameters of what's going to be happening here and, and whose content is going to be touched or, or optioned or looked into. Um, we don't have um, really a way of guaranteeing that if content is taken from, for example, an AO3 or LiveJournal or Tumblr artist and reposted onto Wattpad with some editing, we have no way of knowing that that material won't be advanced without the original author's knowledge. Now, this is me advocating for this, as I did on Twitter a few days ago. Um people who write fan fiction or even original fiction should probably do some searches, um, Google searches and Wattpad searches, however you can, 
um, to try and see if any of your content has been reposted on Wattpad just to get it removed if you don't want it to have that oversight by CBS Viacom Wattpad um, because it seems like they are taking steps to take full control over whatever content they are hosting in a way that can further advance them financially. That's insidious. The Verge um, basically is saying that Viacom CBS announces partnership with Wattpad to adapt originals because the company hopes to appeal to Gen Z and millennials. So rather than just hiring younger writers, it, it almost looks like they're just going to be mining a trove of internal data about how readers interact with your story and what kind of specific stories and storytelling types they continue to go for. Yeah. And then from there they can just go, "Oh, okay, perfect. This is what they're this is what the kids are looking for, so let's make a new concept that appeals to these viewers under these circumstances." There's also a lot of sidestepping and maneuvering going on in a statement like that. Um as to the millennial and Gen Z, appealing to their senses of what they want as far as content. Um, we are getting a lot of that sort of language right now so that when corporations make these kinds of moves, just like what Quibi did with putting out the small shows and saying it's because millennials don't have the attention span to watch a show for more than 15 minutes, and so they can say when this content fails or when there's criticism of this content that oh well it's a millennial thing and they just didn't grasp onto it. it it's it's inserting a generational divide that is really not necessary at this point and that that corporations keep doing and and publishers keep doing in order to keep us on opposite sides of one another and keep us blaming each other for quote-unquote problematic content some of the other maneuvering that they're doing here is quite obviously also on par with Quibi as far as avoiding hiring and or paying union writers from, you know, the, the Writers Guild in Hollywood and, and the people who, who are asking for better working conditions right now. Um, if you're mining content from people, you can bring them on board on your platform and sidestep any of that unionization nonsense. And I very much doubt that when people signed up for Wattpad, they were signing up to be scabs, you know? Mm -hmm. It's building something insidious into the user base as well. It's, it's making you, as a Wattpad user a party to something that you may not morally agree with. And it's something that I, I don't think a lot of people would consider as far as, you know, basically being a scab. Like, if you told, you know, 15, 16-year-old me when I'm writing fan fiction that, oh, hey, we really like your story and we'd like to make it into, you know, a book or a TV series or this or that or whatever... I'm not going to be thinking about, you know, how they basically have just used me as a gab and completely sidestepped unions instead of just hiring younger workers who are more in touch with the ideas that that are going to sell and, you know, who are going to advocate for unionization or who already are part of a union. I'm not going to be thinking about that. I'm going to be thinking about, wow, people really want to read my story. That's so cool. And that's somehow even worse yeah a lot of the immediate reaction that i saw to this was people saying oh you know jokingly oh great so you're gonna publish that weird fanfic that i put out when i was 13 which okay we also have a strange dimension where we can't even get into the child labor aspect of it right now you know but um they they also thought well you know maybe this means that there will be more LGBT representation because of all the queer kids out there right now. Maybe it's a good idea. The point is, we want 
professionals to be hired or, or, you know, even if you don't have the full-blown college education, we want you to be hired and paid appropriately at the standard industry rate for this kind of work. Yes, you deserve the compensation that comes with this kind of work, not just... And the job benefits and the, the, the insurance protections and the publishing protections and all those sorts of things. And it, it doesn't help that, you know, from everything I've scoured in their terms of service, we don't know what kind of rights you'd even be able to retain to your story. Because, yes, they say that you retain the rights to your story and your content is yours, but we have no idea what this new Viacom CBS deal is going to entail in terms of terms of service, or if this is a, you get published only if you applied for the Wattpad Stars program, which has its own secret terms of service that I can't find anywhere that would override the terms of service that a regular Wattpad user has, or if there's going to be some new terms of service that they're going to randomly roll out because we've all been there. You've been on a website and they say, hey, we've updated our terms of service. Agree to continue using. You know, and let's be honest, how many of us have read those every single time they came up? Yeah, it's not something that happens until a major shift yeah. like we had with fanfiction.net or like we had with the live journal strike through. Um, Wattpad, at the end of the day, is and always has been a profit-making company. Any of these websites that host stories, um, they mostly start off with um, original fiction. They'll host your stories and they see the audience for fan fiction and they branch out and they start allowing fan fiction on their site. But they continue hosting ads, they continue bringing in ad revenue, and they continue partnering with other companies like Wattpad is doing now. Um, in order to mine for content or in order to use the content that they have on the website that you've hosted there in order to market the website into to more eyes, bring more of an audience in. And um, that was some of the reaction as well when I was discussing this on Twitter the other day. People asking if, well, number one, saying, you know, Wattpad is a cesspool why aren't you <laughs> mining content from ao3 um the answer to that is ao3 is protected and isolated from that kind of thing ao3 is not a, a company like wattpad or LiveJournal or fanfiction.net um ao3 is a non-profit and so they're not going to partner with the wb or Disney, or anybody else, to shell out your content to be advanced under a publication program. Because honestly, any any fandom website that hosts ads, it fucking red flag. I'm sorry, red flag. Yeah. Um, when LiveJournal was taken over, part of Strike Through was that they were acquired by a Russian company. And in Russia, LGBT issues are frowned upon, not discussed, punished, anything like that. So that sort of content, the volume was turned down dramatically. You're not going to get that kind of censorship or change or dramatic content culling on AO3 because of the name. Archive of Our Own. It was built by fandom and I sort of interrupted, I probably interrupted Riot's timeline on this, but AO3 was built by people in fandom for people in fandom. Exactly. Meanwhile, Wattpad, uh, their content, they have content guidelines. AO3 does not have content guidelines. There was a Mary Sue article on the Viacom Wattpad thing. And one of the things they pointed out um, I also hope that they will work to reach out to a diverse group of authors. A lot of work adapted so far, in addition to being very heterosexual, Ooh. is also very white. <laughs> so it seems like this is an existing and known problem. I don't know. Um, they said that um, OnePad Webtoon is currently... Uh, said it currently has more than 100 projects in development or production around the world and has wrapped up a film adaptation of a romance on their platform called Float by Kate Merchant. Um, the 
for for young people who have used Wattpad to tell stories, especially LGBTQ stories, is exciting news. Although the two biggest stories from this so far have been painfully heterosexual. So I am not personally, I don't know about After or the Kissing Booth, but apparently heterosexual, you know? So I, it, it, it seems like it might be that they're just looking for more of the same, in which case they're going to be disappointing Gen Z and millennial audiences, just for the record, who are seem to be, at least from what I encounter, overwhelmingly queer and overwhelmingly raising the voices of people who are non-white. Yeah. It's almost like they're breaking into like a store and stealing crap instead of the good stuff. Yeah. 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 But I I hate to say this, but it feels almost like they're they're not actually looking to please like Gen Z and millennials as far as the kind of Gen Z and millennials we're familiar with. They're trying to please the Gen Z and millennials that every other company is trying to please, which is just, you know, the Netflix originals. <laughs> uh, yeah, the skinny white heterosexual Netflix originals. That's, that's unfortunate. <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm sad. <laughs> it's it's funny it no it it is funny like it's it's not but it is because it's like you're trying to get these people's wallets when i know for a fact that you know people who are not skinny white heterosexual netflix originals or you know people that are tired of seeing skinny white heterosexual netflix originals would give you money hand over fist for more actually diverse storytelling and like you were talking about earlier um with the topless robot story thing not that we necessarily want to see a squid fucking a building oh, but speak for yourself in fan fiction <laughs> oh okay. yeah i was gonna say come on major i am so about that <laughs> um <laughs> we are but to that point we are used to so much good rich interesting shit in fan fiction and you know Wattpad started off with original stories then they brought fan fiction on board and now they're kind of trying to move back to the original stuff and distance themselves from fan fiction a little more because they need stories they can profit off of but you mm -hmm. give people a taste of that good good that that rich that that delicious fan fiction cake and it, other things sometimes pale in comparison like a lot of us say we don't read books as much as we used to anymore because we spend our time on AO3 and just because something is published and paid for it doesn't necessarily make it better than the stuff that's going on in fan fiction where it's a little more freewheeling and there's more diversity set into the foundation, you know? So do we have any dates expected on when to look forward to, big air quotes, these upcoming Wattpad projects? Not that I had seen. It just says it's kind of coming soon i guess yeah it says it's it seems to have been in development since the summer and um they're they're sort of god there it is there's the words we'll have the opportunity to use this, it, this exciting data-driven approach to inform our storytelling and amplify new creative talents through our global platforms that data-driven language that that internet startup language it's so it's hollow it, it's it's sorry to go off on another tangent um it it, it just <laughs> it 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 feels like this is a move that is not informed by audiences but it will be blamed on audiences if it doesn't work you know Ooh, that's a good yes. way to look at it very much that that's how it reads <sighs> 
Was there anything else we needed to talk about in regards to the Wattpad thing? Or did we talk about the thing? I feel like we talked about the thing. I feel like we talked about the thing. Just definitely, again, uh, urging urging those listeners who write to uh, possibly check Wattpad for your stories, even if it's going to be a bear to get it off the site. It's important to do so because it we don't want your work stolen you don't want your work stolen you don't want it to become some horrible wattpad special especially if it was something like wow this really resonated with audiences (laughs) but it seemed to be queer so we're going to now netflix original skinny white heterosexual wash it because i i could absolutely see that happening so be aware look out for yourself look out for your friends absolutely absolutely just remember, you can always go back to publishing paper zines with all your work if you really don't trust the internet. Because, you know, there are days I really don't trust the internet, but you can always trust yep. a paper zine. I honestly think we're going to go back towards that a little bit in the sense that the internet has been on a rampage, uh, cleansing itself of queer content to appease the credit card companies. So, yeah, just yeah. keep physical copies of your shit. Print out your favorite fanfics, y'all. Take up book binding as a hobby yeah. because I certainly am going to. <laughs> it's a cool hobby. I definitely I bound a book when I was in high school as part of like my when I was doing art class. I forget exactly what it was, but we did book binding. It was super cool. It's really personalizable. I, at some point, was like, you know, maybe one day I'll make a big book of all of my favorite fanfics and I'll, you know, bind it and it'll be great. Like, you could do that. Mm -hmm. You could, you know, make a paper zine. You can print it all out and three-hole punch it and keep it in a binder and label it your science homework so that your mom doesn't find the weird (laughs) smut that you were writing when you were 17. That's definitely not from personal experience. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it, there's there's options out there, but look out for yourself. Look out for other people, as always. I feel like that's like the big mantra of the show is look out for yourself and look yeah. out for each other. Yeah, I mean, that's my biggest goal for uh, if I could have one listen for the show is just please be kind to each other. Look out for each other, y'all. I'm gonna sound so cheesy. Whatever. It's sincere. It really <laughs> is sincere. It really is. It really is sincere. We've got nobody else to take care of, you know, us, so we've gotta look out for each other. And that's that's really the important thing. As cheesy as it sounds, as as, you know, fandom mom as I might sound, that's definitely what I what I try to impart on people that I interact with is, you know, take care of each other, take care of yourselves, be kind. Yeah. Uh, well, do y'all have a happy for us this week? Uh, I got my booster shot. Yeah. So I got it and I was sick as a dog for a day and then I bounced right back. So I got it. I got it over with. Get your get your vaccinations, people. Stay alive. Ooh, exciting. I'm getting mine, I think, next week. I, I know it's I'm getting it before December's out, so I'm really I'm excited. It's gonna be great. Uh, even if I am sick for a day, it'll be great. My happy is um, I'm just remembering that I de- I'm probably still in the honeymoon phase. I probably will be in the honeymoon phase for a while, but I really um, I really am glad that I married the man that I married because he's fantastic and wonderful and supportive. I I told him I was recording for the podcast today, and he said, you know. I need to get you a second monitor so that you have access to all of your notes and your research. And I'm trying to figure out what kind of mic is going to be best for you because I know that this is a creative outlet for you and it's very important. And uh, I might be getting you that for Christmas, but just pretend that you don't know that. That is adorable. (laughs) He's such a sweet bean. He's a very sweet bean. I... I love him very, very much, and I would not trade him for the world. He's he's my normie husband, and I love him. Well, I appreciate him. What a good boy. Um, my happy this week is I bought tickets to go to Canada to go see Kelty and Kendra. Yeah, Yay! finally. Oh my God, does this mean we'll get an in person? Like all three of you guys together. 
Yeah, it's going to be chaos, but we plan on recording a couple episodes while I'm up there, and I'm bringing my laptop to edit them and everything, so I'm super excited. I bought first class tickets because I want the like extra elbow space, both because it's been two years since I've flown, and because I just, you know, give me a couple extra millimeters of space away from somebody yes. else breathing next to me. Yes. Please, Ugh. and thank you. But- I keep remembering that I bought tickets and smiling. That's genuinely made me so happy all week. Yeah. So, yay. So happy for you. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so honestly, I feel like when you do go up there, when you have, you know, the recording, if you have any guest spurts, I feel like there should be like, a, it should be a video call so that we can see the three of you <laughs> together because honestly every time I see the pictures of the three of you together I'm just like my heart is full of love every single time <laughs> like I'm just like oh Aww. I love love I love K2B I love friendship you will enjoy they're gonna film me arriving it's gonna be one of those embarrassing like running at each other crying like collapsing on the ground hugging moments because it's been two fucking years and I used to go like two to three times a year so it's gonna be some straight it's up been too long. it's gonna be something that belongs in like the love actually trailer <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. oh just thinking about it i well. like i i just love friendship and i love other people's friendship and i love your guys's friendship it makes me so happy we are very shippable like love oh us. extremely <laughs> extremely Believe me, I, you know what? I'm going to get canceled for IRL shipping. I hope I get canceled for IRL shipping K2B. One day someone is going to write RPF of us and it's going to just make my life. You know what? I feel like I can't because I feel like that would be cheating because I've known you guys so long at this point that it's like... You have all the insider information. Yeah, it's like I'm like the writer of the show at that point. So is it really even fan fiction anymore? Like, that's cheating. Oh my god, shut up. <laughs> well, thank you both. Thank you, Major. Thank you, Riot, for coming on and helping me talk about the Wattpads. Cause... Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you so much for having us. I love, I, I'm honestly, it's, it's a problem how much I love talking about these things with you guys. <laughs> um. If you'd like to find us online, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Blissfully Show. I post links to our YouTube there. If you're watching us on YouTube, hi, hello. Uh, let us know if you use Wattpad at all. I'm curious because apparently none of my friends do. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, until next time, y'all. Bye. Bye. How dare you? How dare you kink shame Bliss on her own podcast? I'm just spraying you down. I'm not kink shaming anyone. Just, just. All they've done is get me wet. <laughs>